Parshas Kedoshim, planting in this world. In this week's Sedra, we are introduced to the laws of Orla in Eretz Yisrael. When you come to Eretz Yisrael and you shall plant all forms of fruit trees, Vayikra, and it goes on there and tells us certain dinim of Orla, Va'aletem Orlato et Pidio, how you must refrain for the first three years from eating the fruits of those newly planted trees. But our Chachamim tell us that in these first four words, before we go any further and learn any halachas of Orla, these words already have stated an important principle. And you will plant all types of fruit trees is understood by our Chachamim, not only as a description of when these rules of Orla are going to apply, but as a separate stand-alone commandment as well. When you come to the land, untatem, there's a mitzvah to plant all kinds of trees. Now that's surprising, because when the B'nai Yisrael first came into the land, they found it very much cultivated already. Eretz Yisrael was never as fertile, as beautiful, and well-planted as those days. The Canaanim had trained themselves by generations of practice to become the very best agriculturalists, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu had allowed them to remain on the land for many years for the purpose of completing the task of making the land Kegan Hashem, a land of lush gardens and orchards. And so, when the B'nai Yisrael crossed the Yardin, they found a land that was filled with beautiful fruit trees, fig trees, date palms, pomegranate trees, grapevines, all good things they found. We have no concept how fruitful the land was. Whatever we'll say is not sufficient. And so, if there was one land that didn't need planting, it was Eretz Yisrael. But along comes the Torah. It means HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And it says that when you come to Eretz Yisrael and everywhere you see fruit trees, don't think that you're absolved from the duty of planting. After all, you're going to use up the trees. Trees don't live forever. Now, even if they didn't plant, there would remain plenty and plenty for their children. There was so much. But suppose the first generation came to Eretz Canaan and they said, Ah, Kegan Hashem. This land is one big garden of trees. And they would begin eating the fruits without bothering to replant new trees. The next generation would still have a good land, but there would be less because some of the trees would get old and worn out. And the next generation would have still less. And in a few generations, nothing would be left. And so HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, when you come into the land, untatem kol etz ma'achal, you should make sure to plant all types of fruit trees. That's what the Medrash in Tanchuma says on this Pasuk. Amar lahem Baruch Hu. Hashem is telling the Am Yisrael, although you'll find land full of good things, lo tomru, you shouldn't say, neshev velonita, we'll dwell in the land and it's not necessary for us to do any planting. No, don't say that. Ela, keshem shenat uacherim lachem. Just like others, the Canaanim planted for you. So you should plant for your children too. The Madrash brings a story to illustrate this. The Roman emperor, Hadrian, once saw an old man planting a tree. And he was laboring, sweating. It was very heavy work for him. So the emperor said, Old man, why are you laboring so hard to plant a fruit tree? Anyhow, it won't bear fruit in time for you to eat it. You surely won't live to enjoy the fruits of this tree. He was an old man already. So the old man replied, 
my master, the king. When I came into this world, I found fruit trees that were prepared for me. Just like I found the fruit trees in the world that I came into. I want to plant for my descendants too. That's what the Medrash brings as an example to the commandment of nitatem kol et machal, of being a planter in this world. You came into a world that was prepared for you, and you made good use of what you found here. And so, when you leave this world and pass on to the next world, it should be no less than it was when you found it. You must see to it that the land remains beautiful with all the gardens and orchards that you found. You should leave it as perfect as you found it. I'll give you an example. It's not our subject, but it's a good example. Let's say Jews came to America and they found a garden here, a beautiful garden of freedom and opportunity and equality. You young people don't realize it, but America was really a rarity among countries. When our forefathers came from Eastern Europe and from Russia, it made them intoxicated with happiness. I remember once I was in Slobodka and the head of the Koilil, an elderly man was telling of his visit to America. We were sitting at the table, and he was telling us his story. He had come to New York, and he was lost in the subway. He didn't know what to do. An old man who doesn't know any English lost in a New York subway. Suddenly, a policeman approached him and began speaking to him. But he didn't understand a word, and he became frightened, because a policeman in Europe meant something different than in America. The policeman motioned to him that he should stand still, and he came back a few minutes later with a Jew who could speak Yiddish. And the Jew asked him in Yiddish, what's the matter? And he told him, and this Jew translated into English for the policeman, and the policeman gave directions on how to get to the destination, and then the Jew translated it into Yiddish for him. And so when this Labatka Talmud Chochem came back to Europe, he was telling us about the glories of America country where the policeman wants to help you. A policeman wanted to help me. And so, when you come to this country and you find equality and many even have become affluent, so what's your reaction? According to the principle of untatem, we should know among all the things that we must do is not to ruin America. We should leave it at least like we found it. Instead of becoming Jewish gays who are bashmutzing America with their wickedness. Instead of becoming feminists and radicals and socialists and ruining everything. At least, leave it alone. Once upon a time in America, people believed in a creator. In the public schools, they talked about a creator. Yes, they talked about the hereafter. Politicians in America used to speak about Olam Haba. And we, of all people... We should have made sure to plant and plant and plant more of those ideals, at least to leave it like it was. Instead, the atheists, with the Jews leading the way, are trampling down everything. Look what they're doing to America. They're taking this beautiful land that Akadosh Baruch Hu gave to them, the happiness that they had here, and instead of planting, they're uprooting it. They're trampling on America and ruining this garden. And they'll be held guilty for that. Besides, for all of their other sins, they'll be punished for this too, for transgressing this mitzvah of untatem. If you're not going to improve the country, at least let it remain what it was when you first came here. There's a big principle involved here. And in short, the idea is as follows. Make sure the world is not worse because you came here. 
That's the principle that comes even before planting. Your first function is don't spoil the world. And that's why it was the first thing that HaKadosh Baruch Hu told Adam Arishan as soon as he created him. The Medrash Kohela states as follows. When HaKadosh Baruch Hu created Adam Arishan, he took him around to look at all the trees of Gan Eden. And these are the first words Hashem spoke to him. Look at my works. How beautiful they are. Look at these beautiful trees. And make it your goal that you shouldn't spoil things. You shouldn't ruin my world. That's number one. It's not enough. But the minimum is don't spoil this beautiful world. When you go out of this world, when your time is up, the world shouldn't be worse because you were here. So therefore, let's say you're a yeshiva man. And now it's 1.30. Time to learn Musr in the yeshiva. The mashkiach gives a knock on the table and everybody comes to the shelf and takes out Musr Sepharm. At the end of the Musr Seder, what is the first thing you're expected to do as a result of learning Musr? I remember once when I was in the Mesifta, after Musr Seder, one Talmud came over to me and said, what should be our first response to the Musr that we just studied now? He was thinking. He wanted to hear something special. I said, it's simple. The first response should be to put back the Musr Sefer onto the shelf from what you took it. That's the minimum response. You found it on the shelf. Put it back on the shelf. It has to be just as neat as it was when you came in. Any place you go. Let's say you walked into a base Amedrash or into your base Knesses and you sit down to learn. You take a safer off the shelf, another safer, and another safer. Before you leave, the first thing you have to do is put it back. Don't leave the place in a less orderly fashion than it was when you found it. The base Amedrash should be just as clean when you leave it as it was when you came in. The street too. You walk in the street. It was once a clean street. You can't litter in the street by dropping things there. Even a little piece of paper, other things. If you have some paper to throw, don't throw it on the floor. Throw it in the wastebasket, on the corner. There's no wastebasket. Put it in your pocket or your bag. It was clean when you came, so leave it clean when you leave. Even better, as you pass by and you see a bum throw an empty beer can on the sidewalk, you can walk over and pick it up and put it in the wastebasket. I once saw something like that. A Jew with a beard and a black hat was walking down King's Highway. And before him, a bum was walking and eating a banana, throwing the peels on the sidewalk. What does he care for the world? Let people slide to the hospital. What did the Jew do? He shoved it off the sidewalk into the sewer drain with his foot. And so that's rule number one under the principle of When you come any place, make sure that you're doing whatever has to be done in order to upkeep it. You found a clean shul, leave a clean shul. You found a clean street, leave a clean street. That's the obligation we're learning now. You found a good world, make sure to leave a good world. Now, the truth is, just for replenishing, Hashem doesn't need you. You know, today everybody talks about recycling. But long before we thought about that, that was the original plan of Hashem anyhow. Everything is recycled according to the plan HaKadosh Baruch Hu made from the beginning. 
The rainwater that's on the window pane here was already used by hundreds of generations before us. It was urinated by people a hundred times already. It ran down to the sea by the sewer, and in the sea it was purified with salt and chemicals. Then when the sun was shining on it, it was distilled, and only pure water evaporates into the clouds. The rain comes down and waters the fields. The grass is regrowing on its own every year. So HaKadosh Baruch is recycling all the time, planting and keeping the world going. And so HaKadosh Baruch is on the job, and he's doing a fine, good job. Your job is to add something to this world and make it somewhat even better. Because our Pasuk is teaching us that not only shouldn't you ruin what was given to you, but you should be sure to plant and make things better. You have to plant so that when you pass out of this generation and go to the next world, you should leave over a land that's even more beautiful than it was when you came in. That was the command. Untatem. You have to plant. That's the responsibility that a person has in this world. Untatem. Keep planting as much as you can. It's a fundamental demand of the Torah. Now, once we understand that this is a requirement of HaKadosh Baruch not only in the land, in the planting of the fruit trees, it has to be a principle in our lives that we have to be busy making this world a better place. And so, we have to put some thought into this obligation. What kind of planting can I do in this world in order to make it a better place? How can I uplift this world? Of course, one of the big achievements we have to learn in this world is we have to make other people's lives sweet. It's not our subject tonight, but it's included in this obligation. We have to make people's lives happy in this world. It's one of the ways you can make this world a better place because of your being here. Now, that's an art that you have to study. You must master how to treat people in order that you should plant happiness wherever you go. Instead of being a weed, a thorn, you have to be a flower in this world. You smile at others, encourage them, compliment them, and that way you become a beautiful flower with color and fragrance. And so, if your wife serves you at the table and you're eating with gusto and enjoying the meal that she prepared for you, how about a smile and some kind words too? Chana, it tastes very good. Why shouldn't you say that? She's waiting for it, but nothing is coming. Instead, you're just munching, destroying the food. At least, thank you, you can say. You want to say you're an excellent cook, even better. An excellent wife, you want to say? Ten times better. But something you must say. And when you do it, you can be sure that you're filling the world with what's necessary. Smiles and sweet words are lacking in the world. You're making the world better, happier. And that's a valuable contribution. It's tremendous. You're making the world a better place. Now, a person who recognizes this obligation of tikkun oilam, of improving the world lives a different type of life because his eyes are wide open for these opportunities to plant good things in this world. He won't scorn even the smallest opportunity to encourage, to smile, to compliment, because that's his function while he's alive. Untatem as much as possible to keep planting and leave this world a better place. Now, although we don't disdain even the small opportunities, 
we shouldn't forget about one of the most valuable methods of planting in this world. And that is the great subject of Zechus HaRabim. Zechus HaRabim, conferring merit on the public. What could be better than planting Torah and mitzvahs, planting awareness of Hashem, emuna and bitachan, among the Am Yisrael? Now, there are very many ways of doing it. I won't go into the details now. There are all forms of Zechus HaRabim. But when a person has in mind the attitude that this is one of his functions of life, that person should know that he is fulfilling this obligation of untatem kol etzmachal, to its fullest. Of course, the great men of our history did it on a tremendous scale. When they left the world, they left it a much better place than when they found it. Let's say when Rav Ashi finished the Siddur HaShas, the Shas is a masterpiece. It's concise. It contains very many valuable principles in a few words. That's our Torah. Kiheim Chayenu means Shas. And that was made by Rav Ashi. He is credited for organizing it, perfecting it. A tremendous achievement. He didn't do it himself. He had a very great assemblage of Chachomim who were dedicated to Zikoi Harabim. In Bavel, the two great Mesiftas had taken over the leadership from Eretz Yisrael, and Bavel was now the home of Torah. And Rav Ashi was the one who took all the teachings that were necessary, in addition to all the Musr that was necessary with the Agadita, and he performed something so tremendous that we cannot measure how great is his merit. The Zuchus Harabim of Rav Ashi has no equal as far as we can see. But the Rav Yosef Gon, about 80 years afterwards, did something that made it even more valuable. He was the one who gave permission to write down the Shas. Rav Ashi organized and memorized the Shas. A tremendous job. But the Rav Yosef Gon came along about 80 years after Rav Ashi, and he made a revolution when he gave the Heter to write the Shas. It was forbidden to write Torah Shabal Peh. But when Rav Yosef Gon saw that the world couldn't get along anymore, he committed it to writing. He gave a heter. And now the shas was in writing. What a new world it was. Our Torah was made available to everybody. Then Rashi HaKadosh came along. I'm skipping a lot. And Rashi made a tikkun that filled the world with light. The Pedush Rashi is genius, brief, and clear. Every word is well thought out. Every line cunningly explained. And Rashi guesses beforehand what problems you'll think about, the kashas you'll have, and he answers them, b'mesek l'shoinoi. Rashi is a masterpiece. There's nothing in the world since that time as enormous as the contribution as Rashi. When he left the world, he left over Yerusha, that to this day we are all enjoying. What Rashi did is almost unequaled. There is almost no equal to his achievement in making the world a better place. The list of Mezake Harabim is almost endless. I wish I could stay here all night and speak to you about it. What the Rambam planted for the world. For the first time in our history, the Torah was codified and arranged in chapters and numbered halachas, all in place where they belong. To this day, we are all enjoying the Rambam's accomplishment. When he left the world, he left the world much wealthier than when he found it. Then, the Shulchan Aruch came along and planted other trees. 
the Shari Tshuva, the Chayvus Olavavus, the Mesilus Yisharim, the Vilna Gon, the Baal Shem Tov, Sora Shenerer. They all influenced many thousands of people over the generations. Of course, most of us were not competent to make such achievements. You can't be like Rashi. What the Chavetz Chaim did, we won't be able to do. And Adam Gadol once told me, he said, from now until Mashiach, if anybody is careful with Lush and Hora, it's due to the Chavetz Chaim. Many people today are Nizhar, are very careful in Shmira Salashan only because of him. He changed the world. We won't be able to achieve that. But these people give an example of our goal in this world, to plant as much as possible and make the world a better place when we leave it than when we found it. Don't think you can't do such things. Don't say, what can I do already? I'm a simple Jew in Flatbush. I don't have influence. I don't have money. It's not true. Many good people, simple people, have taken these words of the Chayvus Lavavas to heart and become Mizake Harabim. The Chayvus Lavavas writes in Avoidus Elohim, no matter how perfect you are in all the forms of Shlemus, in every kind of perfection, it is as nothing compared to the perfection that comes from causing the multitude to become virtuous. We had a man in Arkehila who went and bought from 770 Eastern Parkway a stack of old copies of Talks and Tales. It's Lubavitcher Children's Magazine. And he sent it out to Jewish homes. Homes where the families have no connection to authentic Judaism. So every month, a Frum magazine was coming into people's homes because of him. For a family that knows nothing about Judaism, a little Jewish magazine is a boon. It comes into their mailbox, a newspaper that's speaking about Torah ideals, about the Am Yisrael. It opens up their eyes. Now, he was a plain man, not wealthy at all. Sometimes when he didn't have enough money, he would collect money from people here in the shul. But he made an impact. He was a simple man who worked for the city, and yet he was one of the Mazake Harabim in Flatbush. Look at all these big apartment houses. There are so many ignorant Jews who live there. Even the Jewish press will be to them like a fantastic newspaper. So send talks and tales to these apartment houses. I'm not saying only that magazine. Maybe there are better things today. Why don't you adopt an apartment house? Adopt a big apartment house on Ocean Parkway and say... This house is mine. This is my project. Make it your project and send Torah literature to them. If you can't afford it all at once, do it little by little. There's a lot of work to be done. Find out who lives there and get to work. How do you find out? You can walk through the building writing down the names until the janitor throws you out. Give him $10 and he'll let you stay for another hour. Or you can go into the real estate places and they have directories, house by house, apartment by apartment. I once did it too. One apartment house. I had the names of everybody in the apartment house, and I was able to accomplish for Hashem. That's what we're here for, to improve the world. Now, the truth is that there's a planting that comes even before Zuchuzarabim, and it's just as important, maybe even more so. You remember the story of Chizkiya HaMelech. Chizkiya HaMelech was a very great tzaddik, and he spread Torah in all of Eretz Yisroel. It says about him in Yeshayahu, V'chubal al mipnei shaman. And the Gemara explains that Chizkiya distributed oil to all the Bate Midrashim for the lamps, so that the nation should be able to study Torah at night. 
Chizkiah made sure that all across Eretz Yisrael, the Batim Nidrashim were illuminated at night. And because of him, everywhere people sat late at night and learned. And those years became famous in our history. They were unequaled in the study of Torah. There was no person, Midan ve'ad Be'er Sheva, that didn't know all the Hilchas tomb of Atara. They knew everything. And it was all due to the effort in Zikoi Harabim of Chizkiah. And so we understand on our own that Chizkiah was a Tzadik Gomer. Our sages tell us that he was worthy even of being Mashiach. Gemara Sanhedrin. What happened? A surprise. A tragedy. In those great days, Chizkiah became deathly ill. He was on his deathbed. And the Navi Yeshaya came to be Bevaked Choyle to visit him. And Chizkiah said to the Navi, What's going to be my fate? What will happen to me? You're going to die, said the Navi. You'll die in this world, and then in the next world too. You will have no chilek la'ilam haba. What do you mean, Chizkiah said. He was shocked. Why? Because you didn't marry and have children. Marry? But I was too busy doing more important things, said Chizkiah. I was spending my entire life in being mezake esarabim. Look how many good things I accomplished for our people, for the world. I spread Torah over all Eretz Yisroel. No, no, the Navi said. That's no excuse. Nothing will help you if you didn't get married and have children. Now, that's a remarkable story. It's not a mushal, an idea. It's a real story about a great person who is Mezake Esarabim. And yet, it wasn't sufficient. Zikoi Harabim, very nice, excellent. But what about planting children in this world? That's the first step in being Mezake Esarabim. That's number one in making this world a better place. Living on the earth means you are using up all the resources of the world. Do you know how many loaves of bread you ate before you reached 180 pounds? You would sit down and make a quick calculation. You'll see that you consumed a mountain of bread. Do you know how many mountains of vegetables you ate? How many hundreds of gallons of milk, a mountain of fish, a mountain of meat? Could be that you ate from this world a herd of cows already. Even water is a commodity. Tons of water you drank. Ice cream too. Maybe a ton of ice cream. So it's your function to replenish this world in one way or the other. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, Look, you came into my world and you're using up so much materials just to come into this world and consume... How will you pay back what we expended on you, the investment we made in you? What will you leave over when you leave this world? Nothing but a mess of dead, decaying flesh. That's all. Now, you cannot, let's say, bring more water into this world or more air into the world. You could bring more fruit trees into the world, more cotton plants and wool. Yes, but there are other things besides that. More important things. And the most important is children. When parents raise a family, a Torah family, that's the best planting a Jew can do. What are they doing? The parents are planting various kinds of trees and flowers in the world. The world can't have just one kind of tree or plant. Even all roses, it's not enough. All violets, that's not enough. You need various roses and violets and lilies, everything else, all kinds of plants. You need apples and oranges and bananas and dates and figs. You like to eat everything, don't you? The sweetness of apricots is not like the sweetness of an apple. 
And the sweetness of an apple is not like the sweetness of an orange. And grapes are different. And pears are different. And therefore, when parents have children, they're putting into the world people of different natures. And each nature is a plant, a sapling with its own sweetness. Why did HaKadosh Baruch Hu make all kinds of fruits? Because he wants the world to have all kinds of honos. He gives everybody all kinds of pleasures. And every child is a different pleasure that you gave the world. It's a pleasure to have skinny, serious Jews. It's very important to have them. Fat, jolly Jews. It's a pleasure to have them. Business-like Jews. It's a pleasure to have them. Each one is a pleasure. No question about it. When a mother and father look at their children and they see that they planted the world with various kinds of peters, they should know that they're planting for the world. One son is full of energy, the second one less so, but he's quiet and thoughtful. One daughter is quiet and obedient. Another daughter is a little freilich and mischievous, a lebedigger. Another daughter is stubborn. Even their voices are different. That's adding flavor to the world. We want Jews with mellow voices, with soprano voices, people with bass voices. All kinds of voices are necessary. And it's the husband and wife who are accomplishing that tremendous achievement for the world. The great Zikur Harabim of raising the next generation. It's true that the parents didn't make any famous chiburim. They didn't write books. They didn't say drushes. He didn't write a perush on shas. And she didn't write the shalos uchuvus. But you should know that they published something more important than a sefer. Tzadikim, Talmidei Chachamim, daughters who will have families of their own. They added so much to the world. What a tremendous achievement! And so those people, the mothers who are having those children and raising them, the fathers who are laboring to pay tuition and support the family, together, they're building the world. They're paying for all the things that they took out of the world. For the air you breathe, for the garments you wore out, the food you ate. It's a tremendous replacement. And don't think it's a small thing. It's a tremendous form of replacement. And therefore, don't drag your feet. Old Bakrim, don't wait any longer. Find a nice homely girl who likes to cook, who likes to be a homegirl and get married as soon as possible. Forget about romance. Forget about love and happiness. Just get Married. And even if sometimes she'll have a bad temper, it's worth suffering from her because she's going to produce children for you. That's a tremendous accomplishment. And even though all your life you'll suffer from her, it's worth it. You don't have to, by the way. If you're wise, you'll get along with her. You'll learn how to handle it. It's one of the greatest fulfillments of untatem to build up this world by means of children. Every child is a world of good. And that brings us to the grand finale, the most important child of all. The child you have to worry about most is yourself. I repeat the same things all the time. When it tells us the history of Noah, it says, Eile toldos Noah. These are the generations that came out of Noah. Noah ish tzadik. Noah was a tzadik. So the word Noah is repeated. These are the children of Noah. Noah. So the Medrash says like this, Ela told us Noach. Noach. These were the children of Noach. Noach, the first and the best child, 
was Noah himself. And therefore, when Noah was thinking of building the world with children after the Mabal, he knew that his most important child was himself. Of all the good products he would produce for the world, the best product should be Noah. Of course, you should have many children, and from all your children, you should have Nachas. But the biggest Nachas should be from yourself. Now don't say, well, that's a different subject. Improving yourself has nothing to do with improving the world. Ah, that's selfish. Right now we're talking about making the world a better place. So listen now to the words of the Mesilas Yisharim on this subject. He's talking there about an Adam HaSholem, a person who is striving for perfection in the service of Hashem. And he says, Ki iloi gadol kulam. It's a great elevation for all the creatures in the world and all the things in the world when they serve a superior person. Not, it's an elevation for himself. It's an elevation, a great elevation for the world and everything in the world. Now that can be explained in various ways. And in some ways it's mysterious. But I want to explain it in a way that we should understand. To serve you, we need all the features of this world. You have to have the world reviving on its axis. You have to have the sun and the moon. You need rain. You need the atmosphere and summer and winter. You need bees and flowers. You need soil and grass and cows too. The world is full of innumerable details, marvels of arrangements that cause this world to function. And you need everything. Otherwise, you couldn't exist. Not only the world, but people too. Do you know how many people are employed in bringing food to your table? Farmers far away have been plowing their fields and mills have been grinding the grain for you. The trains have been running and the trucks are carrying the produce to the markets for the purpose of supporting you with your sustenance. There are carpenters and painters and electricians and delivery men. You need the telephone operators in their headquarters. There are policemen and firemen. The entire world is busy servicing you. And if you are making yourself a better person, the entire world becomes elevated because they are now in service of an Adam Elyon, which is the purpose of this world. All of the world is now functioning for you, which means the entire world is functioning for its purpose, the service of Hashem. Now we have to get that into our heads because we're very far from that musuk, that idea, that concept is remote in our minds. When you become a little bit better, ki iloi gadol hu labrius kulam. It's a great elevation for all of the creatures, whether you are a man or a woman or a boy or a girl. If you make yourself a righteous personality, if you are working on yourself and you are a little bit better today than you were yesterday, then you are improving the world. You're not only improving yourself, you're improving all of creation and of all forms of planting good things in this world. The best is working on yourself because you've elevated the world along with you. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Let's get practical. Become a planter. In our parsha, the Pasuk discusses the trees that would be planted by the Am Yisrael upon entering their land. Chazal learned from here that we must be planters in this world. We cannot be a weed or a thorn and leave the world worse than it was when we found it. We must plant good things in the world. This week, I will, Bli Neder, take these lessons to heart. 
I will be careful in my cleanliness to leave every place as clean as I found it. I will plant smiles and happiness wherever I go by smiling at people and complimenting them. I will also try to increase the service of Hashem by inspiring others, perhaps by purchasing subscriptions to Torah Savigdur or making a donation to bring Torah Savigdur to more Yidin all over the world. As I interact with my wife and children, I will do it with the thought that raising a family is like planting a garden for Hashem in this world. The biggest and most fruitful garden I can possibly plant is in my own mind by increasing my own service of Hashem.